There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Now. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. And we're live. We're back. It's a Ducks win. Um, thanks to Andre <laughs> Kasha for saving Randy Carlisle's job. Ducks take care of the Predators 2-1 to one in the shootout tonight, guys. Uh, ending the Predators' uh, eight-game road winning streak. So we're all three together again. Uh, how's it going, Eddie? It's going all right. Uh, hopefully the stream is going to be better than the last time we, we tried this for the Minnesota game because... <laughs> We uh, apparently nobody can see what we we're doing, so hopefully it's better for everybody tonight. Welcome to 2018. We don't use uh, Firefox anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll blame it on me. Um, well, I, everything's good except I, I think uh, my headphones aren't really working that well because I thought I heard you say win. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't know if you saw but, the game or not, but yeah. um, the Ducks actually played a really good game tonight. It was very surprising. <gasps> uh, they ended up like, taking the win, like like the NHL Ducks. I, I mean, if you want to call them that right now, I mean, they're mostly <laughs> comprised of uh, pieces and parts of the AHL, but uh, yeah, that's, that's okay. Yeah. We, could, we could get into that a little bit here, but um, yeah. the Ducks take care of the Nashville Predators. What I thought was going to be just an awful game, to be honest with you guys. I had zero expectation for this being anything worth watching. Um, I'm on like a no drink during the week thing right now. And I'm trying to like really watch <laughs> that. It's been really difficult watching these games mm-hmm. without having a beer or five. Um, yeah. The Ducks pull it away tonight. Uh, let's hit some pregame notes, guys. Uh, Lundestrom 
decides to go to San Diego because he didn't go back to Sweden. Very strange. We could talk about that at the end of the show. Kelly Kosala finally comes up and plays. That's odd. He hasn't. Yeah. He's been coming up and down San Diego and just been watching from the press box or whatever, eating popcorn. Yeah. Or, well, uh, Sherwood was listed as being sent down too, and then he just never got sent down. He just still <laughs> he still played. He think was he just said like, Nah, I'm in. Yeah. Well, he was listed with Lindstrom on the AHL transaction page as getting sent down to San Diego, but here he is. He's playing tonight. Peyton switch by Randy Carlisle, man. Yeah. He just, he's like, let's just try to trick the Preds. Uh, Andre Kasha back in. Um, and every time that he's in, I always freak out because that guy has got like reckless abandon all over him. He just doesn't care. And he, it's like it. with the concussion issues just makes me cringe every time uh, he goes into the corner. But uh, he was back in the game tonight. Eve's out. Don't know why. Upper body injury. I mean, he wasn't in the morning skate. It was odd. Um, Maxine Comtois, also in San Diego on a conditioning loan. Scores a goal in his first game with the goals. So that's good news for the Ducks as well. Um, how did you guys feel going into this game? Were you guys as, as upset about having to watch this as I was going into it? I, I, I tried to be happy about it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to sit here and just be pissed. <laughs> for three hours, I'm going to be pissed. Go ahead, Ed. Oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to fix the stream right now. So you go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no fun then. Um, yeah. No. So uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I felt like uh, some of the the things that the Ducks players had been saying before this game was like, if you can't get up for this game, then why are you even playing hockey? Um, it's no small secret this was kind of the first game in a long list of teams that are you know, not only battle tested, but actually, you know, doing very well this season. So a good test. And so the fact that they were um, at least acknowledging that and then really, you know, hope that they could bring something out. So I was optimistic that it might happen, but I was also prepared for about the same thing we've seen all season. No, it it was something that uh, when I started to watch this game, I was starting to get nervous, but the Ducks ended up pulling away with a really good first period. I was really impressed with the way they were able to keep the pace with the Nashville Predators. Kessler's stirring shit up right off the draw, it feels like. The second he's on the ice, he's always trying to go after people and trying to get people to to come after him (laughs) and get under their skin. Doing a great job of that. Um, It was good to see him back in that kind of role because we kind of didn't really have it when when he's been playing as of late. So, I mean, I guess all that Twitter talk with Ryan Johansson maybe boosted him up for this game. Sure. So, and I hope it continues on past this too, because um, this this game, you know, kind of had the feeling of the way the Ducks used to play. You know, some different faces in there, uh, you know, on the the bottom, uh, the the last line, but they uh, they looked a lot more like the Ducks that we had seen in the past with Kessler, with Getzloff, you know, doing Getzloff things, Kasha coming in and all that stuff. So, And it was kind of right off the get-go. I mean, they, they fired off a quick shot, but they've done that before, and then that seems to be like it. Like, all right, we got our shot. Now we'll just sit back for the next 16. Uh, but this one, they, they, they looked fast. They didn't look like they had to think too much about most of what they were doing. No, I thought they played great. And I was really impressed with that fourth line, man. I honestly... That Kosala, Sherwood, and Gibbons line looked really good. I felt like they were fast. They were quick on the puck. Um, they weren't afraid to get involved in the play. And this is a really mobile and very good defense. I mean, honestly, it's just it's no secret how good Nashville is yeah. on all angles of the game. But defensively, I mean, they're stacked. So to see that fourth line be able to create chances and play well against them was awesome to see. 
Yeah, for sure. They, I mean, they were really good. Uh, you know, the tenacity of it, and I mean, they were going after you know doing a good forecheck, but. The other thing that kind of seemed a little bit different than it had been in the past, I didn't see nearly as much jump and chase this time. They seemed good enough to make passes, to kind of stretch guys out, and to try and carry it in. Yeah, but, you know, they didn't give up on a play. It wasn't like one and done and they were moving on. They, they, they wanted it from the fourth line to the top line. It seemed like every line seemed to be hitting their stride pretty well. Every, every once in a while, there was something, right? Like Every once yeah, in a while, they it. would you do a little dump play. Minutes. It's just yeah. every once in a while, the defender, we get a chance. They would skate up and just stop at the red and dump it. I'm like, there's Randy. Stump it. He's just yelling from the yeah. bench, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't think it's that bad. But, no, I mean, they, they didn't they didn't do it nearly to the, the level they had been in the past and where it just didn't create any offense, didn't create any flow. Um, and, you know, you might have a gets off line control for one play, but then you're sitting back the next two shifts. So this one was much better. A lot, uh, I think, more organized, too. I, I didn't expect this from the Ducks yeah. to, to come on and play the way they did, where they actually kind of matched the play that the, the Predators brought out and actually outplayed them for, I guess you could say, for about this half the game, really. There, it was an equal play from both teams, and this is a team coming in that won five, the last five games in a row. And the Ducks have been slumping lately, especially against some of the better teams in the league. So I was really surprised with the way they were able to handle themselves and play organized tonight. And it's like that first period. It, I just felt like that uh, really set the tone for the Ducks. And I know we've kind of seen the piece of that here and there. And then they go to the second period and it's trash. But that first period was really good. I, I was really impressed with that. I mean, the only kind of iffy, like, squeamish point for me was Pedersen kind of got, kind of got, uh, I mean, continually damaged every time he was on the ice. I feel like he got wrecked in the first period. I mean, Ronaldo chased him down and crushed him pretty good. Um, and that guy, I mean, Pedersen, I don't really know how tiny that guy is. Like, he's, like, a really lanky, right? He's a tall guy, but just yeah. super lanky. Yeah, I think he's, like, 180. The, the shirt he's wearing is really wet. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, he's a taller guy, and, uh, you know, he kind of impressed a little bit last year. Uh, and he's definitely getting a longer look this year. But, uh, yeah, he, there's a reason he, he's on the third line right now because there were a lot of times where it was like he, he had it and it could have been or should have been an easy enough play to just pass it out. And it was either he just panicked or didn't have confidence in doing it and tried to just throw it out or turn it over or got demolished. Um, so, it, you know, it's still something to be desired from his game. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's got at least a little bit of time because he is so young. So we get out of the first period, but uh, a piece of what impressed me finally, and of all players on the defensive side of things, Cam Fowler defending the crease. Uh, someone comes in and kind of takes a little poke. I think it was Turris on the side of the net, and then Fowler cross-checks him well after the play because the whistle had gone dead, and Turris took a stick in there on Gibby. And I think the Ducks are kind of tired of it at this point, right? I mean, they've been kind of having that issue all season. I mean, I don't know what sparked it this game to make it to where that they thought it was a great idea. But uh, even Cam was barking at the ref, like, you see what he was doing? Like, I don't yeah. care. I'm not, how's that a penalty? <laughs> Just get out of my crease. Yeah, and if, if you look at the slow motion, too, um, not only does he kind of get the poke in there, but he actually kind of bumps the head of Gibson, at least the top part of his helmet. So his, mm. his helmet kind of did a little move like that. Start doing that, and the goalie's not ready for it. it it's easily straining the neck. It, you know, If it's hit hard enough and he's not expecting it, that could be concussion stuff. So it's, it's just kind of a, a reckless play that where the puck was already covered. It was needless, and uh, Fowler didn't like it too much. So I'm just glad we didn't get a penalty there. Uh, very lucky. It, 
they were starting to do that uh, in last game too uh, against Minnesota, where there was some guys crashing the crease there, and some guys were starting to clear the crease a bit. And I guess we've kind of started to see that a little bit more lately. Maybe that's everybody coming back healthy and people just kind of getting a little bit more relaxed and getting back into the style they're used to playing. But it, it definitely is a good sign that they're actually giving him some support because they really haven't all year. There's a I forget which game it was, but I think it was against Dallas earlier this year where he was just getting run left, right, and center by everybody. Um, yeah, it was Dallas because Roman yeah. Polak was the guy who scored that goal, and Gibson Ugh. didn't really come out and challenge him because he knew that nobody was going to defend him or even try and stop Polak from crashing the crease like that. So it, <laughs> they've kind of they've kind of picked up that aspect of their game a lot lately. Yeah, so, well, especially when Gibson's there getting the other dude in a headlock from the last game. Yeah, you know where he's got to clear out his own net. I mean, at some point you got to go like, oh yeah, maybe I should be helping him out and doing that. Yeah, why is Gibby doing that? So yeah, Ducks get out of the first period. I I should say the Preds get out of the first period too without letting in the goal. Ducks played a solid uh, game so far. The first twenty, ten to ten shots on goal. Going into the second period, um, Ducks just. Uh, Noticing a little bit here where P.K. Subban's not on the ice. Huh? I don't know what happened to him, but the broadcast mentioned it, that he didn't finish the third period. Goes into the second period, and he f- finished. First period. Or Yeah, and yeah, he left in the first period and then came back, I think, like four minutes in. Like, to run the 16-minute mark, came back. Anybody know what happened to him? I, I, kind of strange. I mean, if, he, if he was injured, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they didn't really say. I don't think they really showed it on the broadcast and they didn't really yeah. say what happened. They just said that he was out and he was in the locker room and then took him a bit to come back. And he finally came back a little bit into the second period, but I didn't yeah. see what play he went down on. No, he didn't really do that. They, they'd said in the broadcast that, um, you know, he, he just, you know, he had gone to the bench and then just under, you know, his own thing, decided got up left and went to the locker room. So it didn't seem like it was anything like that happened in a specific play. And Nashville also uh, addressed seven defensemen. They were using one of them as uh, the fourth line winger or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that makes me kind of think that maybe they had he had something going on. Maybe he was sick. You know, he's got the flu or something, and just had to go, you know, get Take rid of whatever was in the stomach, and uh, you know, get it out and then come back and you know see if he was feeling better. But it, it kind of feels like there was something else going on, but it wasn't anything too detrimental because once he did come back, he was fine. He was making hits, making plays, and he looked no worse for the wear. No. Yeah. I mean, the rest of the second period, though, were you guys not impressed with the Ducks? I mean, except for their power play, which is putrid all game. and only had two <laughs> chances, but they were awful. Yeah. And it, the Preds were on uh, the power play enough to allow Andrew Cogliano to get a breakaway in the second period, which everyone started <laughs> freaking out about. And then it was just, I, I knew he wasn't going to score. I, I was yeah, like, he's no, not going to score. I know he's not going to score. And he, I would have, I would have like jumped out of my seat on my couch, but it was just nothing new. I was like, damn it, dude, that guy just doesn't yeah. have hands. He's the only one that can do that too, right? Like if, yeah. I think if anybody got it, even if like, uh, if Larson gets a breakaway, Pedersen gets a breakaway, I have a little bit more hope for them because I haven't seen it. But for Cogliano, you're just like, yeah, he's not going to score. There's no yeah, way. A, he, yeah. Same move every time, and he doesn't get it done. It's Yeah, it's a numbers game with him, and the number is always zero. Zero goals. Uh, yeah. Now, it, yeah, the I was impressed, you know, because my thought was like, wow, that first period went very, very well. But I'm like, but they've played a good period, you know, here and there, uh, you know, recently, every now and again, you see a good period out of them. So I was like, second period is where they die. I mean, that's where they just <laughs> they, they accept the game. 
and they just kind of hopefully get out of there without giving up too many goals. And they, they came out and they looked great that whole second period. I mean, once again, there's not gonna you're not gonna control the play 100% against a team like Nashville as hot as they are. But the fact that you're competing with them, you got they're not beating you with speed. And I don't know about you guys, but Ryan Johansson, he, I didn't really notice him at all uh, in that game. Forsberg, maybe a little bit here and there, but not nearly as as dangerous as he's always looked. So. Um, we were good on gap control on, on everything. It was like I said, every, everyone was hitting their, their stride. It seemed like in the right game. They were without Arvidsson too, which I think yeah. plays a, a bit of a factor into maybe why that line wasn't as good. They had Colton Sissons up on that line and he's, it, I mean, it's like playing Nick Ritchie with Raquel and, and uh, Getzlaff, you know what I mean? It, it, he kind of brings down the, the whole aspect of that line. So they, they can't get as much done without Arvidsson, but I think it was a, a good job nonetheless that we didn't really notice Johansson and Forsberg too much. Um, maybe not to the same extent as we've seen the Ducks shut down some lines this year, but uh, they, they really weren't involved in any critical plays for Nashville. No, I don't think so either, man. I feel like, uh, yeah, wife running out of the office here. Hey, I, but, uh, <laughs> I really feel like this second period, though, um, despite a little bit of, you know, the Ducks were a little leaky, but it was a much better second period that we've seen in a long time. But let's get to the fun part of the second period where uh, Josh Manson was uh, lining people up most of the night, actually connects on a hit on Fiala. Fiala goes down and then takes a knee to the head by Kyle Turris as Turris tries to miss him and goes over. And for some reason, that means Zach Rinaldo, who I didn't even know was in the league, by the way, uh, jumps off <laughs> really? the bench, beelines directly at Manson, and they both dropped the gloves and had to go. Manson got a couple of shots in. Ronaldo kind of hit his shoulder, and then Ronaldo kind of t- pulled him down. You could tell Manson was pissed. He still wanted to keep it. going, and <laughs> Ronaldo wasn't about to do that. Later in the game, too, Manson went after him, too, and was talking to him, and Ronaldo wouldn't have it go. But uh, yeah. the Ducks are really petitioning there for a uh, you know a five, an instigator. And I felt that they had – I mean, I know maybe it's a homer thing to say, but this is a Ducks podcast, but, I mean, realistically – Manson didn't have the puck. He's in the neutral zone. Ronaldo jumps off the bench and attacks him. No call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm very surprised. <laughs> yeah. Uh, perplexed would be another word to describe how that didn't result in some sort of instigator. Uh, not only his reputation for what he does, but exactly. He comes immediately off of the line, off of the bench, targets him, goes right at him, and immediately starts a fight on what was – a clean hit yeah the guy ended up getting hurt but it was really more of his other player other than that it, there wasn't anything wrong with the hit um and it wasn't too vicious it just stopped the guy right there but if you come off the bench and you immediately d-line to a guy who doesn't have the puck drop your glove that's an instigator and especially if you have a reputation for being an instigator and a fighter that should almost be obvious uh but <laughs> refs cannot see the obvious no, and he's got to be one of the only guys left in the league that's pretty much a pure enforcer, right? Like, he doesn't do anything else. Like you said, are you surprised he's even still in the league? Like, yeah. he literally comes off the bench to fight Manson, and it's not even a play that's really warranting a fight whatsoever. It's not even a big hit. He kind of just shoves him to the ground, Fiala, and then Fiala just gets hit by his own guy. And for it, some it, reason, Ronaldo's like, yeah, i got to come over the bench. i got to get him. Like, yeah. It just looked it looked like way worse, I think, than it really was. And I think that's what uh, sparked the whole thing there with Ronaldo. But um, Chris in our chat says, what's up with the power play discrepancy between the teams? It was pretty it was played pretty even. Uh, you would think the penalties would be close. So not not so one sided. 
How do you guys feel like what was going on with the referees tonight? I just, I just want to answer this before we continue. Yeah, I, the, you know, yeah, and I hate to, to use, uh, you know, a referee as a, a reason why you, you didn't win or, I mean, we ended up winning anyways. But the, the annoying part for me was uh, there were a couple of high sticks uh, that were legitimate high sticks <laughs> that seemed about hit like there's one on PK where it hit him in the shoulder, maybe grazed his chin, and he grabs his mouth like he's just been like all his chicklets fell out. So it, it just I see that play, and then there was um, uh, who was the other one? I can't remember who the other one was, but it was a similar thing where it was kind of a high stick, uh, but he just he throws his head back and just you know like he's been you know just smacked in the face as hard as you could imagine. So it was. Frustrating to see some of that, and then yeah, I also don't like the fact that uh, the 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 play was chippy on both sides. You know, somewhat physical, a lot of cross checks, and then Getzlaff gets a little little tap on the, the on uh, hip, hip of yeah, and he goes down, and it's like his arms are almost fully extended by the time he actually makes contact with them. So there's not a whole lot of force behind it. So I can't imagine how that's a call, and other cross checks are, are allowed to go. They were just calling everything on everybody pretty much throughout the entire game. And I know there was a little bit of disp- disparity on the Ducks end, but they were calling a pretty tight game. And some of them were bad calls. I'm surprised. I think it was Richie, high stick the guy. It was on a follow through, but the way they were yeah. calling this game, I'm yeah, surprised they, they didn't it. just call that. I mean, you, it's a follow through, so normally you don't call those. And they, they got it right by not calling it. But just all the, the, the calls they, they ended up making this game, I was like, if you're calling the game this way, why don't they they call that? I'm glad they didn't, but that that felt like the way the game was going. I think they missed that one, to tell you the truth. Yeah, they I just thought, didn't see uh, it. Yeah, I just don't think they saw it because they'll still call it even if it's going to be a follow through. You're still in charge of your stick, so I mean they'll they'll, yeah. they'll normally call it. I think they just missed that one. Let's get on to the the best part of the second period. Ryan Getzloff. Uh, did, I don't know if he necessarily shot the puck so much as it deflected off his stick on the way in, right? But uh, nice give and go here at the end of the shift. Getzloff gives it off to Raquel, and it, I thought it was great the way it, I felt like Raquel was playing coy with the puck because he got it and he acted like he was going to go slow too and slow it up, and then he just does that stick handle super Good fast, movie. throws a defenseman yeah. off, and feeds it right to Getzloff, who actually banks it in off of Roman Yossi's shin guard. I mean, mm-hmm. unintentionally, obviously, and passed. Pecorine, who uh, looked human finally in this game, uh, didn't look human very often. And the Ducks put them, are up one nothing now. It's a great effort. I, I think what maybe the best uh, setup play we've seen between Gatslaff and Raquel all season, uh, a give and go that we really haven't seen. But that was started at the blue line by Gatslaff originally getting the pass over to Ricard Raquel. And then Raquel makes a perfect move to get the puck back to, to Ryan Gatslaff. And all he has to do there is have his, his stick on the ice, and he does redirects it I gets a little bit lucky I guess that it ends up going past Pecorini in that close against such a big guy it, you have to find a perfect spot to to get it by him and he does and it's nice to see Getzlaff get on the board but I think more than that it's nice to seeing those two work a play like that and it results in a goal yeah what I really liked is what Getzlaff did in that play I mean when he came in he kind of just almost skates backwards into the, the defender and then just kind of drops it off 
And then as he as he does that, so by backing up, he kind of just like it, it makes it really hard to defend him because what's that defenseman who's right next to him going to do? It's like, well, I can't really reach around this guy. And, you know, there's other people that he might pass. to, So he kind of just stuck waiting to see what Getzloff does. He does it and then gets off very quickly, turns around and then gets immediately to an open spot. So he, he not only dishes that in a unique way that kind of throws everyone off and slows everything down. He immediately recognizes an opportunity to jump into the slot and be uh, available for that return pass, and it was it was good chemistry. But I thought that was a really uh, smart play that Getzloff did. It's like we were seeing the team of old tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that line was clicking, I thought th- they had a great game. Um, the Ducks, I mean, honestly dominated most of this game possession wise. Two shot attempts. The Ducks were on the higher end of things. And that second period was spectacular to me. And you get into the third period, and of course it's going to lean a little towards the Preds, but only slightly. Uh, and that's just score effects. The Preds are pushing here. Uh, in that third period, um, to, you know, to tie it up, which let's get to that. Let's get to that third period here now where we got to talk about it. Nothing really going to start off the third period, but uh, John Gibson gets caught by surprise here on the Fiala goal. I feel like um, the broadcast mentioned it, and I usually kind of go, what, whatever, guys. And then you watch it, and it's just a harmless-looking play. Uh, it catches Gibby just maybe dropping a half second too late, uh, you know, off the half wall. Fiala catches Gibson sleeping, and all of a sudden it's 1-1. It, it's a quick shot, right? I, I think that's what that fools him is. It's right off a, a pass from the, the corner where maybe he's not paying attention. And it's just a, a really quick and smart shot by Kevin Fiala where I don't think you expect the guy to shoot from there. And he's a bit screened by Getzlaff and Larson where the puck just kind of floats right through both of them and just picks a spot. And, and I don't think he's ready for it. I, he honestly doesn't look like it. He looks back like he had, he's surprised that it even goes in the net in the first place. Yeah, from a from a goalie's standpoint on that one, there's a couple parts to that play. Uh, one is um, the very beginning part where Lindholm, I think it was, is trying to catch it, bring it down, and then kind of loses it. So now it's kind of a, a 50-50 puck with quite a few different players, both for Nashville and the Ducks. But when it gets out there, you can tell Gibson's not set. He's he's far more upright. He's not kind of crouched ready for it. Um, so it's one he probably would have wanted to be better prepared for. And goalies now, if they get set, it's really hard to beat them if they're good. And that's kind of a technical thing. So he was slow to get into his position. So it may look like he got down in position. He was there, and it just snuck through. But if he was there half less than half a second earlier just a little bit more mentally like oh i gotta get in position and he's in a crouching position he's in a far more um traditional butterfly that's going to end up you know maybe taking that one away so it snakes in he wants it back but it really was just he wasn't quite set and uh sissons uh was really quick on it i'm sorry fiala was really quick on the release that's one thing if you want to beat goalies now don't wait. Don't hold on to it because that gives him a chance to get set up. And it, even if it's a quarter of a second, that's enough time for a really good goalie to kind of square up. He didn't wait that time and uh, found a hole. Yeah, not much, you know, you're going to blame him for there at that point, right? It kind of just feel like eventually it, the Preds were going to break through at some point. They were getting good chances, too. It wasn't like the Ducks were perfect in their own end. But uh, so yeah. it's 1-1. One, one. Ducks taking a bad penalty here. Too many men. It was blatantly obvious. Just another one of the many <laughs> penalties here. Um, they're yeah. able to kill it off. Gets off line back and buzzing. It was really good to see that line clicking that we were talking about. Um, I felt like the majority of this team played pretty well tonight. Um, before we get to the end of the third period, though, we got to talk about what happened to Cam Fowler. I'm guessing he's going to be okay. Uh, he took a puck off the stick, put his, put his stick in a shooting lane, 
and just the most unfortunate of all places. It looked like it hit him right in the mouth, and he probably lost a few chiclets there for sure. Goes down to the ice, blood all over the place. But he wasn't like writhing in pain anywhere. He just, you could tell when he picked his head up, he was just kind of like, seriously? Like, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. Had to be me. I was having a good game, I was skating well. Just another injury to add to the books, guys. That's all it is right there. So he misses the rest of the third period. And then uh, we got to talk about Pecorine's remarkable <laughs> save. Absolutely Lucky. remarkable. Lucky. He had no reason to be able to hit that with his blocker. And somehow he gets it with his blocker. His <laughs> goal stick goes flying. Puck comes in from the point. Gets deflected in. Richie on the side of the net. Richie can't make it happen on the side of the net either. Um, he might He might be the only yeah. one I thought was playing a little average tonight compared to the rest of the team. I don't think he looked like he fit in well. Uh, tonight for whatever reason, but uh, Rene with the, with the giant save. I know that made Jason giggle because he loves Rene and he loves those types of saves. <laughs> uh, I'm not a huge Rene fan, but I mean he's 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 obviously good. I mean he's he's gotten a lot better over the last few years. You can attribute some of that to maybe the defense in front of him. But when he's making plays like this, one of the things that he does too is he does a ton of yoga, which means you have to contort yourself and hold different odd positions. So, I mean, that ends up hitting a helmet in front and it starts fluttering just past him. He picks it up in just enough time with, you know, his peripheral vision. And he's like, I got something back here. Let's just fling it and hope it catches somewhere. And he was lucky enough to, to get that and not have it go in. Uh, it was very odd, but very neat to watch. Yeah, as far as Richie on that rebound, what I would have loved to have seen him do is he had it there. He could have tried to backhand it up high. Instead, he tries to hold on to it and then try to make a, a play out to the middle that doesn't really work. And by then, all the national guys have all kind of come in. There really wasn't any place for that. I would say just try and throw it back into him or try and find an opening. Because Rene, after that, fell on his butt and was kind of vulnerable up high. Uh, but, yeah, it's tough sometimes from that position to do a backhand and roof it. So I might be asking a little too much. but Yeah, I, I just watching him make that save, was I, he has no <laughs> idea it's there. It's... I'm trying to remember. I think it was a Carey Price save, or maybe it was a Vasilevsky save, Vasilevsky where he, kind of just where he did that reaches right. behind yeah. him and he has no idea. Yeah, yeah, like he has no idea it's it's gonna be there, and you're just hoping at that point that you're gonna hit something. And he does. He throws his stick and just flings his arms up in the air. I mean, it's still credit to him for being able to have the the awareness to actually do that and make that type of save, and and just assume that the puck is gonna be right behind him, but. If he even hesitates for a second, that's in the that drops right behind him. It's probably in the back of the net. So, but we're, we're used to this from Pekarene. I mean, he's one of the elite goaltenders in, in the NHL. He, he's going to make these types of saves every now and then. So the Ducks able to take this game to overtime. I feel like the third period uh, was pretty damn even, though. Uh, I mean, obviously Rene with the game saver there, and the Ducks could have easily earned their way to a loss if they weren't playing against one of the worst power plays in the NHL. Surprisingly enough. So shots, 26-25 into regulation. Ducks leading shots. Game is tied 1-1. Going to overtime. (laughs) Of course, you're going to see Andre Kasha in overtime, who just about had a breakaway puck a little too far ahead. He goes barreling into Pecorine. Um, I wrote my notes here. I wrote, God damn, his speed is game-changing. He really backs players off. I was very impressed with Andre Kasha's game coming back tonight. Guys, what about you? His first play of the game was him uh, speeding up through the neutral zone and setting up Adam Henrique, who set up Nick Ritchie, ultimately didn't even control the puck to get a chance on that. But it, if Ritchie controls that, it's in the back of the net, and you're looking at that play and, and lauding uh, Andre Kasher for doing most of the work on it. So he, I think I wrote earlier in our notes, too, that this is the type of speed we haven't seen from the Ducks all year in, in a guy who can just 
literally skate the puck up on his own, get his own entry, and create a playoff. And we haven't really seen anybody do that. Uh, maybe Kiefer Sherwood does that at times. You know, when Maxim comes was in the lineup, he's not necessarily fast, but he, he kind of has that powerful stride where he would do that every, uh, every now and then. But uh, I haven't seen anybody really do that consistently in, in a game all year. And Andre Kasha comes in and he's able to do that. And it, it was a great debut, I think, for him. Yeah, that speed was crazy. And it was on display at all different times throughout the game. So even on plays that you know they didn't score, it created just tons of chances. And I remember, I think it was in the, the third period, where they had like a dump in, and he just beat everybody to it. It, it didn't allow Pecorini to come out to play the puck. And it was just the thing. I just sat there, damn, he is fast. And he just gets in on top of that puck. And so uh, he just backs people off, and he's got the hands to match. It's like, it's like a young Cogliano, but with hands. <laughs> <laughs> Poor so, Cogliano, man. Hands, yeah. So, so I, I was super impressed. I, I was honestly blown away in this game, considering all the penalties that were going against Anaheim. That Getzloff didn't get called for grabbing Ryan Johansson when the play went back the other way. Did you guys see that? Johansson was kind of speeding past Getzloff. Getzloff was actually maintaining speed, and then Johansson kind of dipped the shoulder to head towards Gibson, and Getzloff literally had his free hand holding on to Ryan Johansson's jersey as he went to, towards Gibby. No call, but then uh, the play that did I mean, scare the hell out of me in this one was Subban drawing the call on Silverberg. Uh, obvious call. He got the shoulder inside on Silverberg there. Goes to a power play with just two minutes and nine seconds left, and that's where John Gibson was called on to stand on his damn head like he has been every single game uh, this season, and it just absolutely robs Ryan Johansson in front of the net. Johansson looked to the sky. He said something because that (laughs) rebound came down and Gibby somehow just guessed correct and got his glove on it. It's another one of those saves like we talked about with Rene where it's not necessarily him knowing that it's going to be there, but just being able to get in that position and just hoping it hits you. Um, And that's still a great play by him. I mean, the the fact that he's able to sprawl and and make the save is, is just testament to his effort to really stay with the play. But uh, I, mean, I couldn't believe he said at first I thought Johansson missed because when you're looking at it at full speed, you really can't tell if he actually got the save or not. But then you look back and he gets a piece of it with his glove. Uh, just a, a ridiculous save to keep the Ducks in it. Yeah. And just the just the outer outer portion of that glove enough to just deflect <laughs> it away. But yeah, when, when you make that first save like you did in front and then the guy's got it right in front with a forehand, they can just chip in. Yeah, you just throw it out and just like it might go here. You know, you might throw it up. It might go here. You, you're not quite sure. You just try to get the glove as close to the puck as possible to kind of cut down the angle. Uh, but it's it's just pure reaction. And same thing with uh, Pecorine. say you just react. You, you see something and you instinctually do something. And with no real thought process, like, oh, it's going to go down here. There's, I just got to get something in front of that. Uh, so to, to be able to do it in a split second turns out to be the difference between losing in overtime or going to a shootout. No, 100%. And that, that was the game saver that Gibby had to come up with. And the Ducks were able to barrel down the other end of the ice and create just havoc on the other end with, like, I mean, seriously, had like six seconds left in the game. Um, they almost bury it there, but Rene says no. Go to the shootout. And, uh, of course, being the pessimist I am, I was like, they're probably not going to get out of this. They went all the way here. Gibby has to come out makes the incredible save. The Ducks go 7 for 7 on the PK. Uh, they, they look good against, the you know, arguably the best team in the NHL. 
Auburn comes in, scores a goal five hole, which I don't know where the hell that puck went five hole on Rene because there was no room. And also the Ducks lead the shootout one nothing. Yeah, and I was I was uh, wondering if they put him in because that's only his second ever. Uh, and uh, but you know he played on Nashville for a while, so he might have known a little something. But even whatever he knew, it, it, he wouldn't know that. Oh yeah, he's gonna give me an opening this big, and I'm gonna <laughs> have to shoot it like Luke Skywalker and the Death Star, just nail that perfect spot. But uh, he absolutely uh, you know knocked that one in. That's that's always good when the first one goes in. You feel a little bit better, a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, and the, the Ducks like to experiment with guys who are playing well lately and throw them into the shooter, whether they played well in the game or just playing well in general. So I'm not necessarily surprised maybe that he got it. And I, again, I think the fact that he's played for Nashville before probably plays a factor in it. I think it personally means nothing, but from what we've seen from Randy Carlisle in the past with his decisions and shootouts, He'll tend to go with those types of guys who have some experience playing against the other team. So I'm not surprised that he went with Auburn. What a great move. I mean, he's one of the only guys scoring goals for the Ducks right now, so why not go with him? Yeah, I know. It turned out to be the correct move, obviously. Then uh, Torres comes in, scores stick side on Gibby. Um, I mean, whatever there. Kasha comes in, denied. Forsberg gets a post. Getzloff with five. He goes for a nice little move there. Rene doesn't bite. He does a little fake swing his damn stick out. And uh <laughs> I don't know if I threw him off, whatever. But then the beard on the other team here, uh, Ellis with the nice Gimli beard comes in. Gibby made the save. What a dumb move. I, I, what a dumbass move. Why would you come in at like two miles an hour as a defenseman and then just wait and shoot the puck and literally went right in Gibby's glove? Like he just was like, all right, thanks, bud. Like, okay, cool. I almost got to assume he was maybe going to try and roof it a little bit because there was no move. There was no shoulder was like fake. The dumbest there was nothing. Shootout move. Yeah. So I think he was going slow to see if he could get Gibby to maybe drop and then maybe try and throw it high. But Gibby just all by the time it got to uh, make your decision because you're running out of space, he was already you know just right where Gibby was and yeah. Gibby matched his speed backing up, so he wasn't further in the crease. His timing was good on it, and so there wasn't much to shoot at at that point. Gibby's not a guy who moves anyway. He won't move first usually um, unless it's, it's somebody who's going to come in and make a move on him. And I'm sure looking at Ryan Ellis, you're not expecting him to make a move. So he's like, do something. They like, all react when you do something. He's a quick enough goalie that if, if Ellis is going to make a move, generally he can react to it in time. Uh, and he just outweights them. And Ellis, I think, was expecting him to do something to to you know bite on on a no move, I guess you want to call it. And Gibby just stays with him the whole way, and Alice's only chance at that point is just to shoot it right into his glove. I mean, speaking of the no move, Raquel did the little uh, magic wand wave <laughs> on his way in on Rene. Didn't touch the puck, just threw it, kind of waved his stick over it a few times, and then pulls it over and uh, puts it by Rene there as the Ducks take the lead in the shootout. And then uh, Fiala does his uh, another slow, just. I don't know. It wasn't as bad as Ryan Ellis, but my God, dude, could you lumber in just a little slower next time? And Gibby, I felt like didn't even have to challenge much on those two on those last two saves there for him. Uh, the Ducks seal up the win. But uh, any more comments on that shootout? Uh, no, I mean the tourist goal was pretty good on Gibby. Uh, he came all the way like way out and then kind of came back in. Uh, that play is always difficult for a goalie especially if they're willing to they can't he came in slow and he was also able to like i might throw it short side and i might throw it to my backhand i might open you up throw a five hole that that kind of move is really tough for a goalie so i don't blame gibby too much on that one it's kind of a nice move so the first two go in and then uh, raquel has his nice move too 
So let's get to the post game. Uh, Gordon Bombay and chat says, can we discuss how much we love Ryan Getzloff? Let's do it a whole podcast on it. Um, (laughs) I do love Ryan Getzloff and everyone who says that uh, he's the problem in Anaheim is just high on crack. I don't understand that whatsoever. But uh, Andre Kasha's return. How did it go? We already talked a little bit about it. I don't want to make it a love fest for him either. But uh, I mean, I think bringing that speed back, did that really change? (laughs) Did that buy Randy Carlisle another game? This win did. I think this win bought him a lot of time. You, you just beat a team who was on a five-game winning streak, who's 13-3-0 and is arguably one of the best teams in the league. And you didn't win it by pure luck. You didn't, you know, you didn't win it on the back of John Gibson. You played good. Um, I don't think all of that's attributed to Andre Kasha. He was involved, and I think he was one of the most energetic players on the ice, and, and his speed was obviously making a difference. I mean, this is Andre Kasha we're used to. Every time he's on the ice, he's making a difference and he's he's creating plays but i don't want to say that it was only because he got back in the lineup that the ducks were able to get anything going um i just think they stepped up to the task this time it was what we saw against calgary where they had looked awful the previous game and they stepped up to the task and, and played a good game against the calgary flames and then they shit the bed against minnesota and they looked they, all the positives against calgary went out the window and then all of a sudden they come in this game and they played uh, probably their best game of the season against one of the best teams in the league. So I don't know what this team is yet. Uh, when they can play games like this, but then they also play uh, two nights before a game like they did against the Minnesota Wild. I mean, it's it's so so variable between the, the two performances. It's so inconsistent. I don't even know what to expect from them. Yeah, consistency is what's going to impress me with this team uh, moving forward. This was a great game, something to obviously try and build on. Uh as far as uh, Kasha goes, um, him being slotted in there with Henrique and uh, Richie made a good third line. That wasn't a bad third line at all. The fourth line had a ton of energy in the limited time they had, but they weren't costly. Uh, the top line is doing top line things. And even the, the shutdown line, Silverberg had a ton of chances as well. So, I mean, it looked like good uh, four good lines rolling, and the defense looked good. Kent Fowler had an amazing game. Manson was hitting people, fighting people, and getting pissed. That's what I want to see. Mm-hmm. Lindholm was responsible. Um, you know, uh, So, from that standpoint, they were doing a lot of the right things. But I want to see consistency moving forward because I, I can't have one game where they're, they're this, and then the next game they're right back to their old ways. So, put it together. That's what will impress me, and that is what will sell me on the team. Right now, they're benefiting because the Pacific is so kind of shaky and uh, not, no one's really taking it over. They, they have a little bit of time here, so don't squander it. So keep, keep going to prove it to me. Yeah, I, I just uh, I got to say, it's like, hey, all the lines are going back to what they were from last season. Yeah. And yeah. holy shit, the team <laughs> looks like they kind of should have. Um, yeah. Blame that on injury. Blame it on Randy Carlisle's decisions, whatever what, whatever it is going to be. I still don't think he's he's fit to be this coach. I think he lost me during the playoffs last year without being able to adjust to the San Jose Sharks. Um, speaking of which, let's you guys want to talk about the Pacific Division here for a second. Um, sure. I got a comment about the Sharks. You guys know how much I love Eric Carlson, but he has not been good this season. And my God, what a blessing that has been for everyone in the Pacific <laughs> Division. Uh, it's early, I get it, but I think he has. Uh, I think Kevin Curse put it on Twitter last night, and he was like so pissed at everyone that was that was commenting on him. He's like, 
look, I don't think a guy with three even strength points is having a good season. Don't at me. I'm turning off my notifications for the night. Something like that. He was <laughs> and just then everybody did. Done with people. Yeah. He was just yeah, done with people. Everybody came at him with like scoring chances four percentage, where he's like 57 <laughs> percent. And Kevin Curtis was done. He wasn't having. It. I think he quote tweeted some guy who uh, who brought up that statistic that like analytically it looks like Carlson is doing good when he's on the ice. They're generating more chances. Sure. Again, They're not finishing again. But that doesn't mean it's just him either. It right. It's a team issue. hundred percent. Yeah. He's just not putting up the numbers yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It's kind of a blessing, but you know, that, that kind of happens a little bit too, when you go from being, uh, you know, the only team you've ever played for and then going to a new city, new arena, new players that you aren't used to playing with and maybe having a, you know, still a big role, but not necessarily as critical of a role and learning the new system. So there's a lot of things that maybe kind of kick in. I still think just because of his overwhelming talent, it'll start trickling in and, you know, this slow start will just kind of be a, a distant memory as it kind of moves forward. But it kind of makes you think, well, they're going to, if he's having this much problem, is it something they want to invest in re-signing him? Cause he is a free agent at the end of the season. Oh, they're going to do everything they can to resign him. I, I, I mean, yeah, come on, you don't to. let this guy walk. He's not. He's not going to figure out how to play hockey. He's having a bad start to the year. But yeah. uh, who, who else do you want to talk about, Eddie? I know you. I know you like putting this in here because it is interesting the way that this division's kind of turned on its head. If you look at the standings right now, um, I just peeked at them right here. Vancouver and Calgary. What are Canadian teams doing in the front of this division? I dude? don't know. <laughs> I have no idea because we had them. Well, we had at least all of them except for Calgary near the bottom. Vancouver's the big surprise, and especially because last time we talked about them, it was the Elias Pedersen show. Uh, Then they beat Boston 8-5, and Elias Pedersen had one point in that game. So the rest of everybody was was just getting on it. They uh, dropped their game against the the Rangers today, and and they dropped their game against the, uh, the Sabres. So... Not the best way to follow up an 8-5 win against one of the best teams in the NHL with two straight losses against uh, two not-so-great teams in Buffalo and New York. But they're a big surprise. They're probably going to eventually fall back down to earth. They, I don't think they can keep it up. But it's throwing a wrench into a lot of Pacific Division teams' plans when you look at the top of the division. and You've got the Vancouver Canucks, and you didn't expect it. And um, you've got the Sharks, who are still sort of struggling. Uh, Edmonton is, is up and down. And, and I guess the only sort of consistent team is the Calgary Flames but even they are struggling to put things together when they have to deal with some of the issues that they're dealing with with Mike Smith so the division's just a crapshoot at this point uh anybody they're just waiting for somebody to take it over I think eventually that's going to be the Sharks but they haven't shown they can do that yet I'd say the most consistent team is the Kings they're horrible (laughs) well yeah consistently (laughs) bad yeah I mean the Oilers have lost four in a row um, no yeah. shocker there to me, but uh, yeah. Arizona six three and one, doing uh, pleasantly well in a crap division, one game over five hundred. So kudos to them. Uh, they were the team that I looked at this season to become like, okay, they're, they're finally going to start being good. Little did I realize how bad the Pacific Division was or is right now. And, and then with with Eric Carlson and San Jose, like I really thought that was going to be an all star team uh, with Carlson leading the way and and being able to finish. It's only a matter of time before he starts putting the puck in the net. But right now, it doesn't look so good. Um, I got to talk to you guys a little bit about some rumors floating around town. Uh, It it popped up today. It's been going back and forth. I mean, in Canada, of course. No one in Anaheim is talking about trading away one of our top four defensemen uh, without Canada's influence here. 
I think it was in yeah, Kukla's right. Corner. Is that who it was today? That, that was uh, on Twitter, but it was an article from the Toronto Sun. From the Toronto Sun? Okay. So they were talking Brandon Montour for William Nylander. Uh, was that straight up, or was that is that was that they adding just said anybody they else? Were, they were just said they were in the vicinity of a bunch of GMs and a bunch of teams and, and scouts, and, and Brandon Montour's name had come up more than once. Uh, in discussions about what I and they didn't really specify if it was between you know tr- Toronto GM or assistant GM or anybody important like that, or if it was literally just scouts speculating what uh, a good package would be for William Nylander, what the Leafs could be looking at. It, it was kind of vague in that point. I just thought it was interesting that there were some people, at least in some capacity, that were mentioning Brandon Montour in a possible trade for William Nylander, because that comes off the back of the news that Elliot Friedman put out saying that the Leafs are now asking teams to submit offers for William Nylander. So it's kind of right on the back of that. It could just be a coincidence, but it is interesting that all of a sudden now his name comes up and, and gets singled out right after the Leafs are starting to look for offers. I got two two feelings on this one. One is um, when it comes out of Toronto that, Oh yeah, well, uh, Nylander doesn't want to play here, so something big is going to happen in Toronto. We're going to do a big trade, and it's going to be this trade and that. And whenever it comes out that Toronto is, there's a rumor about a big trade happening. I'm, I'm always kind of sketchy about it, anyways, because a lot of times that doesn't happen. Um, and then, but the thing that kind of fuels the flames of that rumor is that you know uh, Bob Murray was seen at a Leafs game just last week. I think when they were playing at home against uh, when the Ducks were playing at home against Minnesota, he was in Toronto watching a Leafs game. Now the Leafs are in town because they play the Kings tomorrow, but uh, they were saying on the broadcast that uh, some of the Leafs brass were at the Ducks game today. So um, that kind of fuels a little bit of the fire, uh, but at the same time, I don't see how they can just swing. Montour and a small contract for Nylander, who's going to want you got to sign even after you trade for him. He doesn't play until you sign him a new contract. And reports are he's he's denying uh, you know six and a half million per year. If he's denying that, the Ducks are definitely not going to be able to to go over that or any. I wouldn't even think they'd try to get close to that in the first place. It's going to be Cam. So Fowler. it's it's going to be Cam, if they trade it's going to be Cam Fowler Cam Fowler or young it's, it's talented Montour and Silverberg right maybe right but he's I mean yeah. he's locked up for Cam's locked up for seven years right after this season at like yeah, six I don't and a see half. why they would want to get rid of Cam though because they need a winger I mean the yeah, only bona fide goal scorer on this team is Ricard Raquel you don't lock a guy down seven years though do you and then trade him I don't I don't and how can. good is Nylander? I he mean, can, yeah. it, it's hard to, to to put where you put William uh, uh, Nylander just because he has been playing with arguably the one of the best players in the world uh, in Austin Matthews. So, I mean, you know, his his numbers are up there. You don't agree, Eddie? He's not one of the best players. Put him next to Getzlaff. No, 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 What's no. he going to do? He's going to yeah, put like the same I, amount of points. Nylander, sure, he probably gets inflated playing with Austin Matthews, but you look at his underlying numbers, and the difference I put between him and Ricard Raquel is he drives play on his own. Uh, he, he, has, he has proof that he can do things on his own, whereas Ricard Raquel, one of the issues we had with him is you take him away from Ryan Getzlaff, and he wasn't really doing things on his own, and we hadn't really seen that until this year when Getzlaff was out. 
then you put Raquel on other lines and he couldn't do anything. Uh, Nylander has that proof where they've kind of shuffled lines at times. He's not always played with Matthews, but when he's been on other lines, he's been the guy that's been driving play on that line. So that's the difference, I think, between the two of them. Well, how is he going to drive play when Carlisle has him dumping the puck in? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a whole other story, right? So, well, Carlisle won't be here. It'll be, it'll be part of the trade. Right. They're really be like, hey, you got to fire Randy. Uh, right. Give me the extra yeah. mil off his contract, yeah. and then uh, now right. I'm making seven and a half, and I'm signing. Uh, I bet That'll you he be gets a. <laughs> I bet you he gets a Kucherov deal. He's turning down six and a half because they probably are like, let's give you six and a half for six years, and he's like, kiss my ass. I'm I'm worth more than that. So he's they're probably going to give him like four or five mil over three years. He's going to pay fifteen million bucks on a, on a bridge deal, and uh, he's going to get just paid handsomely uh, on that next contract. No one's getting him long term right now. I think it's a short term deal. They're going to have to grab. They're going to have to put up big money. Uh, I think. I think that's really his bottom line. Is I, I want to be paid for what he yeah, feels. What are his worth. comparables right now? What are his cap compare or his comparables uh, points wise? It's I mean, he, tough because he, 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 in my opinion, he hasn't played enough on his own to to warrant that. I mean, for a long enough period of time, even if he's got, you know, he drives yeah. play. It's it's been on an offensive type team that's coached that way. And then in addition to it, it's just the it's not a big enough sample size that you'd want to drop a whole bunch of money. But if he's waiting to be the last restricted free agent holdout this long and they're nearing about the you know one more month after like the, another month, he's got to sit out the rest of the season. If he's already pushing it this far, he's holding out until he gets what he feels he's paid. So they I don't two weeks. Yeah, he's got till December first. December first. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So half a month. If I least you're losing leverage. To, Dude, to get him signed. Well, if you're yeah. William Nylander, um, if I if I don't get signed come December first, I'm gonna have a new agent. Like you can't yeah. find oh, yeah. somebody. No one has to have permission to talk to me, and you can't work out a deal with somebody. Like it's not like they're waiting for a trade. You don't think anybody and everybody's barking at him right now, to, like to get it to get a, a call to have him go to the team. Either he's being very picky, or everyone's being very cautious, and they're like, well, I mean. What's the team? Twenty-two-year-old. Who's gonna cave first, and who's gonna is is Nylander gonna cave first and take the contract they want, or are the Leafs gonna cave first and either trade him or give him what he wants? It, uh, it's yeah. it's it's a, it's a fun game to play, right? Unless you're Toronto. <laughs> yeah. <All> right. <laughs> He's gonna lose a year off his uh, off his seat off his career. No, they'll, they'll, they'll if they don't sign somewhere. Him. He'll get somewhere signed Columbus. before December 1st. Yeah, Carolina. <laughs> I think he ends up in Carolina, honestly. They got to sign Ajo, that, man. That would be insane. They got to sign Ajo. That gets killing it, Yeah, too. but they're, they have, they have, I think they're, they have the top five in cap space available, and, and they'll be moving out a defenseman who makes around three, four, or five million dollars anyway. So they just supplement pretty much the entire cost right there, and they can afford it. And this is a team I sent you, uh, you guys a, a tweet earlier this is a team who just broke the record for the most shots for in uh, the first 18 games of the season and then you might possibly add william nylander to that lineup that'll be insane he doesn't want to go there he wants to come to anaheim let's steer that conversation (laughs) back there before we wrap up the conversation on nylander if you guys had to give away a defenseman for him right because i mean if you're trading a defenseman for william nylander um basically you what what would you guys think um bob murray would do and what would you do I would give up Manson. That's who I would give up. Yeah, and I but I think the Leafs would want Montour. I think that's where most teams would want Montour over Manson. I think Mm. I I give up Pedersen. 
<laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Luke, Luke Shen. If I'm being honest, that's uh, what Luke I would Shen give is, uh, Oh, you have, yeah, Holzer. We'll give up Holzer and Shen. <laughs> yeah, right. um, yeah, I mean, Man- I mean, Manson, I'd be fine with Montour, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, it doesn't work salary-wise. You're going to have to move some other piece out. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, Montour and Nylander are both young, and it kind of... I guess that would kind of help with what Toronto maybe is trying to do, and that's have defensemen that can also contribute to the play, good skaters, right-handed shot, kind of checking all the the boxes off of uh, what what you're looking for out of a young defenseman, puck-moving defenseman that can feed, um, you know, Matthews or Marner or whoever, Tavares, you know, someone who can work a power play as well and be lethal. So. I think that's what they probably want out of it. I'd be willing to give that up and keep Manson and the grit that uh, he provides. You know, that we're grit. But, I mean, mm. the, the physicality that's there. And we've got room for, for Larson and other people to hopefully kind of jump into the, that other role. It's not bad having three really good young defensemen, too, and letting one go to pick up Nylander. Speaking of Pedersen, uh, uh, the shot attempt war, uh, as we always like to bring up on the show, uh, he was on the best end of it. I think his course really? rating was in the 80s. So uh, that Jeez. was for Chris Smith. Well, he was playing by with the way. Montour, right? <laughs> for most of yeah, the he game, had the I best. Yeah. He he played. He had he had the best uh, look at shot attempts. He was on the on the winning side of things. And for scoring chances, he was out there for five and only one against. But uh, the leader in scoring chances for the Ducks tonight uh, on the ice floor was Ryan Getzloff, Ricard Raquel, Brandon Montour. Those top three. But yeah. uh, so that's William Nylander. I I don't th- if they give up anybody, it's going to be Montour. They love Manson. They love that style. They're not getting rid of Manson. They like Lindholm. They like the two-way game there. Not getting rid of Lindholm, but uh, and they're n- they're definitely not getting rid of Cam Fowler. Although that would be the only one that makes sense on a one-for-one uh, money-wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's get to some fan questions. Unless you guys want to cover something else, I think that's it for that. Wraps up the show uh, entirely for our end. Now we got a few fan questions we want to get to. Uh, Keith settles from Instagram says. Is this game a step in the right direction, especially now that the majority of the offensive usuals are back from injury? Kind of what I kind of said at the end of it is, right? It's like, oh, it's kind of funny. Everyone's yeah. falling back in their normal line and lineup, and they play a hell of a game. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what happens when Eves comes back. Well, you know, I think they'd probably try and put him on that top line, and then you got to go, all right, well, our top goal scorer is Auberg. Where are we going to put him? Uh, then you throw him in the second line, and the second line has to move someone probably to the third line, and then you know, you just got Kasha back, and so it's this was working out too well, but it's going to be weird to see what happens once Eves comes back from here. But I, I'm optimistic of having more people come back with talent than losing more people with talent. Well, you have to think Comtois coming back, too, because he can only play three games down in San Diego. So he's another guy who's going to come back, uh, likely, unless they decide to send him to junior. But why would they send him to San Diego in a conditioning stint if they weren't going to bring him back? They would just send him down to junior and do it that way. So he's probably coming up. Uh, Eves should be back for one of the next few games. Then you've got pretty much a, a completely full roster health-wise, and there'll be some guys who are obviously going to sit out and maybe keep for sure where somebody gets sent back down once Patrick Eves get back in the lineup. But it'll be interesting to see what they can do. And, and we kind of all believed, I think, that once everybody was healthy, it wasn't going to change much. And I still 
am of that belief because I think Randy Kyle's system is is that you're going to have nights like this where things go well because you have the talent on the ice, but you're going to have nights like Minnesota where the the system just breaks down and the other team exploits it and you lose badly, you get outshot forty five to twenty, and and you're going to have those games. Um, I think having everybody back healthy kind of mitigates that inconsistency a little bit because you have some more talent on the ice, but I, I don't know. what What's Patrick Eves really going to add to this lineup, and what's Maxim Comtois really going to add that that we haven't seen? Um, I think the big thing for this team in, in regards to getting everybody back is getting some chemistry on these lines and, and start getting rolling. Uh, I think that's going to be huge, and you know, Getzoff and Raquel looked good tonight. I think Henry Kasher looked good, and, and Rich even at times looked good with them, and the, the Cogliano Kessler Silverberg lines back together and they looked okay. So it's, it looks like some chemistry is starting to form between these lines. I think that's the big thing for them. Uh, so Derek Lockwood on Twitter says, I'm really curious if you guys think Jacob Larson has the potential to be a top pairing defenseman. I see good and bad things from him, but I'm not sure if he's 100% ready to play full time in Anaheim thoughts. Um, I, I think I've seen two good games out of him and tonight being one of them. Um, he didn't look out of place tonight. He wasn't the guy that was like, damn it, dude, what's he doing? Um, he didn't yeah. look out of place in one moment. <laughs> Which one? When, when uh, he got called for too many men. Oh, yeah, well, that. Place yeah, he, you know, he, he, <laughs> he kind of just of looked around. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Like, oh, uh, I would say that he uh, potential was. I don't know where to put this guy. Um, they've been talking about him for years, and this is the most we've seen him. So uh, kind of much like marcus Pedersen from last year now we know kind of he's a bottom pairing defenseman at his at this stage in his career we'll see about about larson he's he's playing with the ducks arguably the, the, their best defenseman with hampus lindholm um and he didn't look out of place tonight but there were times this season so far i was like sure, yeah can we get him off the ice so as we already said jason you said it too consistency once we see that yeah um i think there's hope but uh the kid's definitely talented when he's when his game's on I think a, like a high ceiling for him is probably like a four or five. I, I don't see him being like a third defenseman, a third best defenseman on this team, especially with who the Ducks have. I just, you know, maybe out of the draft, that was what you expected from him. He could have been like a three, four. Uh, but now I see him like a, like a four or five at the highest or right now he's a, he's a five, six where he's kind of just a fringe guy. He's better than Shen. He's better than Suster. So he's in the lineup because of that. Cause he can, when he does things right, it really helps the team. The problem is he's still learning and you get those inconsistent moments where he does some bad things. And Minnesota wasn't a great game for him. And there's been times where he hasn't been paying attention or he's been puck watching or he, he doesn't cover his man. But I think, again, one thing we have to realize, he's a guy who, a name we've heard for a while, but he hasn't played that many games in the NHL. He's still relatively inexperienced. When you look at who's on the, the blue line for the Ducks, he's, the youngest guy, I believe, he has the least amount of NHL experience out of anybody playing on that blue line right now. So oh, yeah. it's going to be a, a learning curve for this guy. And I think the the bonus or the good thing is that he is showing flashes of what we expect from him. And, and I think with more time and, and more games under his belt, that's going to get more consistent. He's going to get more comfortable. And I think things are going to get better. But again, it, until we see that consistency from him, I can't comfortably say he's definitely going to be a top four guy. Yeah, what you guys said. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. I, I, I feel like it's uh, yeah, it's it's a name we've heard for a while, but there's a reason he hasn't really been up uh, and cracked the lineup. And you know, he's fallen in the depth charts to 
you know, a lot of other players. And so it's, you know, he's there. You, you might see him from game to game. It's nice he's getting his shot. And if he can string them together consecutively, then you might have someone that has staying power. At this point, he's still he's still getting his evaluation, so to speak, you know, what he can do and, and how he can do it. So he's just got to stick with it and have more games like he did tonight. Crazy stat about Hampus Lindholm. He played 29 minutes and four seconds tonight, um, and only 13 of those minutes were with Jacob Larson. So Hampus playing all over the ice tonight, getting called on. I mean, obviously a lot of penalty kill time, too. Penalty kill, yeah. Dude almost played half a game tonight. So hell of a game, I think, yeah. all around from the Ducks. Um, I think we have one more question here on Twitter. Let me go ahead and grab that one here. Uh, I'll Tabard. grab the one from Instagram that we have if you want right now. Yeah, go ahead and grab that um, one. Uh, so we had Wildwing again asking us a question. This was a little bit interesting. It's not about the game, but he says, thoughts on this being the golden era for jerseys, considering they have not been tainted by massive advertising slogans and company games yet, like many other sports. Uh, so what do you think on that? Is this the golden era for jerseys? Are we on the verge of, of moving into soccer territory, even NBA, where you're getting a small ads somewhere on the jerseys? Yes. Yes, this is this is the best time you're going to see it. I I feel like the Jersey ads are right around the corner, hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's tough to not see it kind of trend that way. I just, I no one wants to. I mean, anyone you talk to, it all sounds stupid and just horrible. But uh, we're not in charge. Uh, the players aren't in charge, uh, and so who is in charge is the one who gets the money out of it, and so they'll make the decision. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of um, history that goes into that too so I think it's giving pause even now because I know this is something that's been talked about for a while and still hasn't really happened um, and Batman is, is kind of not really alluded that it was going to happen so it might happen it probably will when who knows but um, you know it'll, it'll be a sad day and this this is our happy day I mean, Happy day. I mean, Batman, uh, you know, has plenty of opportunities, right? He got elected into the Hall of Fame. So, you know, he's not going anywhere. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the glue that keeps the NHL together. Yeah, part of what he said tonight was something along the lines of, like, isn't this proof that uh, <laughs> something like, something along the lines, isn't this proof that you don't have to be popular to get in? Or it's not a popularity contest. <laughs> he's kind of funny. I don't mind him. He's kind of funny. He he's, he's still an Self-deprecating. Ass, but, yeah. No, yeah. He's definitely, he definitely loves the evil guy role, I think, a little yeah. too much. <laughs> uh, Jason Billings on uh, Twitter says, is Gibson human? No, he's not. Um, and we nope. don't deserve him either. Uh, yeah. Tabernacle on Twitter says, is Kasha the glue that holds his team together? Oh, it certainly <laughs> felt like it tonight. Uh, he definitely yeah. brought the speed, and the Ducks played a great game. Um, do we have any other questions, Eddie? Are we done? Um, did, I don't, yeah, we have a question. I don't know if we talked about it yet, but uh, thoughts on Lindstrom heading down to the AHL? Oh. That was kind of shocking to me, honestly. I know I said yeah, it pre-show. It shocked me, honestly. I, I thought he was going to Sweden if he moved. Yeah, that's what he'd said. He said he, he, he wasn't interested in doing the AHL, but I guess since he got enough looks and they, they you know, I don't know if they told him, listen, we, we just need you down here for, for a little bit, let things kind of clear out, and then, uh, you know, once once we start getting really healthy, we'll probably bring you back up and play in the NHL. Or, listen, you're really close. We just need you to be used to an NHL-type rink, NHL-North American-type playing versus playing in the uh, Swedish league. 
and, you know, give that a shot and, you know, see where you're at. And if, you know, you're still not cracking the lineup next year, I don't, I don't know if he can go back after this year or not, but he saw the hot babes in San Diego and was like, man, yeah, it doesn't I'll snow stay. here. I'll stay. I'll stay. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Cause we talked about it on the last show. We, somebody had asked us a question. We kind of brought it up is, is it time to send Lindstrom down after last game? Not that he played a horrible game, but he, the last few games for him weren't the greatest. And then of course he gets sent down the next day. Uh, or the couple days after the Minnesota game and, and goes down to the AHL. I was surprised that he went down there. Um, I think it's because the Ducks, are, I, I don't think they're done with him for the year. They want to be able to call him up and use him if there's any injuries. He's supposed to be they like, ready too. I think so. The, 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 defensively, and you look at his responsibility and, and his awareness on the ice, I think he's ready for that sense. The offense isn't quite there yet, which I think is why maybe – um, the AHL is a better bet for him. I, obviously, I think the, the SHL is a more competitive league, and if he wanted to refine all of his, his qualities, then going there is good. Um, but the Ducks, I think they want to be able to call on him if they need him. And I think you look at what Troy Terry's done down in San Diego so far, and obviously he's a more gifted offensive player, but just the confidence and, and being able to, to play some games, maybe get some more minutes down there. Lindstrom will probably be... I, I would assume a second line player down in San Diego once the likes of Maxim Comtois comes back up and he'll get some good chances down there to to provide a lot of offense. And you gotta remember too is is this is likely now that he could probably go play Will Juniors for Sweden and that'll be another opportunity for him to play some big minutes in a big tournament and, and get some confidence and get the offense going. I think he's just sitting on the college girls. That's why he wants to stay in San Diego. He'll make his way yeah. back up here. But it's not like there's no but it's like Sweden. Sweden's probably pretty good for him too, in that sense. And he's also, I don't see. Yeah, maybe, maybe he All just right. likes California. Let's call it a night, boys. We're at a minute or a minute, an hour and six minutes, and it's uh, nearly <laughs> three a.m. for Eddie, midnight for us. So uh, looking forward to a long day tomorrow. But uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, we love everyone jumping in on chat. All the questions we get to answer, uh, the interactions are awesome. Um, if you don't know about our Patreon already, I don't know how you could because I know we kind of spam everybody with it, but it's a place to get good content um, for us. We get to put out four bonus shows. Uh, I've been talking about the pucks being ordered. I'm just trying to figure out the logistics of the shipping with them. So those are coming for people who've, who've uh, put in the $10 tier. So I apologize for those being a little late, but we're getting them to you. We this just month. did the rant show. Just did the rant show that was posted as well. So if you're listening and yeah. you're part of our Patreon on that tier, go ahead and check it out. We're recording a couple more, or at least one this week too, uh, so we get another show out of that. But uh, anyways, let's get out of here. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Forever Mighty, and uh, we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday against Vegas. Bye, guys.